Welcome to the Gift of Time podcast, hosted by Bart Justice of Axios Solutions. Today, Bart talks with business leader and sports shooter, Bill Kiever, about his experience as an Olympian in the 2000 Olympic Games. Bill shares stories about the people, the heroes really, who invested the gift of time in his life. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the uh, episode of The Gift of Time. Uh, our special guest today is Bill Kiever. Uh, Bill, thank you for joining us. Bart, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited about this episode. Just uh, uh, now to, to give the audience a little uh, um, background. We have never met. Uh, we connected on LinkedIn because of some mutual uh, interest in the education space and developing people and things like that. And uh, got into a Zoom meeting and just really clicked and just really I was really blown away by uh, some of the people that have invested in you, uh, the stories that you had to tell about them. And uh, so I wanted to get you on the show to uh, give you a little chance to talk about that. But first, uh, just uh, tell our listeners a little bit uh, about you. Well, I'll tell you, I, you know, I feel like I'm just a normal person, Bart. Uh, you know, I, I'm just a regular guy. I uh, grew up in a uh, small community in North Carolina. My parents were educators. Uh, was taught to work hard and use the platform that God had given me um, throughout life. Joined the military um, after two years of college and um, had a pretty good career there. Was with the Army Marksmanship Unit for almost 16 years. Left active duty after that um, and pursued a career in the oil and gas space and did that for five years. In the last four years, I've actually been in education. So it's been uh, some highs and some lows, uh, but along the way, definitely people have invested time into me to help get me to where I am today. So I, I would say that's kind of a brief overview of, of who I am, where I came from, uh, without getting in, into great detail, because I know you're going to ask me some yeah. great questions. Well, you, you left out a, an important fact that I want to talk about, and uh, that is that you are an Olympian. I just want to give you a chance to talk about your experience as an Olympian down in Australia. I tell you, Bart, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's not something that I typically uh, lead with because it seems kind of arrogant, right? So, so um, I, I do my best to, to be humble in, in all things that, uh, that again, the gifts that God has given me. But shooting was a big part of my career and my life. My, my dad grew up as an avid outdoorsman, and, and he sort of got into the sport, and then my older brother got into the sport. And just the natural progression of things became a family affair. And I decided, you know, I wanted to give this shooting thing a, a, a whirl and realized pretty early that I had a God-given talent for it and decided to pursue it. And you're right, it took me all the way to the Olympics and something that I'm extremely proud of, a huge accomplishment. But I'll tell you, Bart, that wasn't an accomplishment individually. Even though shooting was an individual sport, there were a lot of people that poured into my life. And, you know, I can think of uh, coaches that I had in football in high school, uh, Coach Jack Huss and Coach Mike Mabry and uh, Coach Sam Metcalf. These guys took the time to mentor me, not only on the football field, but truly as a man and how to grow and, and be a man in our society. And those, those lessons that I learned in high school, you know, they carried with me and they transcend time and they took me through to the Olympics. But um, I'll tell you, as I found myself in the Army Marksmanship Unit, I was very selfish, honestly, uh, about 
winning. Uh, I wanted to win for me. I wanted people to put Bill Kiever on this pedestal and, and people come and talk to me because um, uh, of my successes. But in 1999, I started working with a church youth group and, and helped mentoring and kind of giving back to, and I thought, you know, I was so smart at the ripe old age of 23 at the time, and I would mentor to these youth in the church uh, in Columbus, Georgia. And as it turns out, they truly mentored me. And they, what I learned through that was that uh, God had given me that talent to glorify his name and not mine. And when I did that, I was on the verge of honestly part getting fired from the Army Marksmanship Unit. Uh, good enough to get there, but honestly, up to that point, wasn't good enough to stay. And six months later, because of a change in perspective, I made the Olympic team. And I'll tell you to this day, uh, one of the one of the more notable things uh, from a success standpoint uh, that I've, I've been able to accomplish, uh, it was, you know, representing not only the U.S. Army, but the United States of America, but being able to represent my country uh, in the 2000 Olympics, uh, truly one of the highlights in, in my sports career. You know, and again, the morning that I competed, it was it was pretty significant for me because I got there pretty early. Uh, honestly, I didn't sleep the night before because I was so afraid that I was going to sleep through my competition and miss the alarm, miss the bus, not make it have worked my whole life to get here and then miss it because of a, a, a mishap. So I got to the range that morning. I, I was sitting there nervous as everything. I, I was, I'll tell you, Bart, I was scared. I truly was scared. And what I was, I realized that I was scared of was I was, I was scared of the fear of failure and fear of letting down my country, my teammates, the United States Army, all of these people that had poured into my life to get me to that point but also in that moment, I had the time to reflect on all of those people that had touched my life to get me to where I was that day. You know, my parents, my older brother, he was a good shotgun shooter, but he drove me to be uh, as successful as I was because when I first started, all I wanted to do was beat my big brother. That's all I wanted. I mean, once I was able to accomplish that, it was like when I, I might as well win the gold medal that day. So. My, my uh, little brother had the same uh, motivations and he quickly passed me in just about every everything especially basketball but uh, <laughs> so I had someone um, invest in me in shooting uh, actually this was back in high school in junior ROTC when we could actually shoot 22 rifles at school okay Can't do that today so I was I, I was pretty good and we had this retired master sergeant uh, that was one of the instructors uh, sergeant bird and he he watched me and he said, I don't know what you're doing wrong. But then he decided to do an eye dominance test on me. And I was shooting left-handed and it turned out that I was right eye dominant. Okay. And so I said, well, I'll switch. And he goes, well, you can't just switch. I said, well, I'm, I'm somewhat ambidextrous. So uh, within two weeks, I was, uh, I was shooting at the, uh, uh, the, the highest level that we had there um, and got the little medal for my uniform and everything because he took the time to, you know, analyze and talk and think through what was, you know, what I was doing. And, uh, and you know, that's interesting that you talk about that. You know, when a lot of people would look at that as an obstacle or, or a barrier to continue shooting, a lot of people would have potentially given up, right? But you took that obstacle and you looked at it a different way and said, hey, I can do it this way. And interestingly enough, when we go back to my story in, in 1999, when I started working with the, um, the youth group, 
that catalyst for me was actually in January of 2000, I broke my ankle playing basketball at Fort Benning, Georgia. My coach took me off of the trap team and said, now you're a doubles trap shooter. And for a few days, I was sort of distraught. They left. He decided not to take me on a, on a our first trip of the year. He left me behind and said, Bill, you're now a doubles trap shooter. And back then, doubles were, wasn't his favorite game. So everybody knew that was your first foot out the door. And I sat around and felt sorry for myself for a couple of days. But then after that, I said, you know what? I'm going to figure this out. So with a cast up to my knee, I went out and started shooting. And when you said two weeks, it brought that memory back to me. In two weeks, they came back and I was shooting world-class scores by the time they got back on my cast. So I was just bound and determined I was going to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I feel like I found the holy grail in shooting. The, the sport matched my personality and the way that I like to shoot. Yeah. Uh, ideally. And, and again, you know, five months after that, that made the, made the Olympic team. So wow. pretty cool. That is really awesome. Now it's one thing to, uh, to shoot at a target when no one's shooting back at you. Right. So another yeah, that's pretty, pretty easy. Low, yeah. low stress for the most part. But you, you were telling me some stories in particular about uh, someone that invested heavily in you uh, and that is uh, Command Sergeant Major Martin Barreras. And I think he goes by the nickname Gunny, which he's an Army Ranger. It's interesting to have a nickname, uh, a Marine nickname, if you're an Army Ranger. Um, but you you really uh, shared some things with me about him that blew me away. He is just, it was an incredible person. And to have someone like that invest in you the way he did was pretty spectacular. So I wanted you to tell that story. Yeah, so uh, you know, I obviously spent 16 years in, in the uh, in the Army uh, with the Army Marksmanship Unit. Uh, that unit was typically non-deployable, but uh, uh, we had a commander, uh, Colonel uh, Dan Hodney, that uh, saw a need. He actually worked for General McChrystal at the Pentagon prior to uh, McChrystal taking over in Afghanistan. So. They started talking, um, and that's how the unit ended up in Afghanistan to enhance marksmanship throughout the country. But um, three years up to that, uh, leading up to that, more two years leading up to that deployment for me, uh, we, we got a new command sergeant major, uh, Martin Barreras, uh, Gunny, as he wanted to be called. You know, a lot of times, and I will tell you, he was probably one of the most influential leaders that I had in my life just to watch him, the way he went about leadership and, and mentorship uh, was, was pretty profound on my life. And, and I think a lot of times people look at leadership and they see these people that speak loudly and they're boisterous and they're charismatic and they may be good looking or, you know, all of those things. But there's a couple of qualities that I feel like in leaders that, and that Gunny uh, displayed and that was uh, humility and vulnerability. You know, some of the things that Gunny was able to achieve in his career before um, he was unfortunately uh, killed in action, you know, he was actually on the raid that, uh, that rescued Jessica Lynch. Um, unbelievable uh, leader, unbelievable warrior, but wasn't one of these guys that went around beating his chest, yelling and screaming at people. Truly, uh, the the epitome of what I would consider a quiet professional. I, I never really saw him yell at anybody. 
but he would come alongside you. And I know there was some times in Afghanistan we were struggling to get some things done. We just didn't have enough rank to get done. And remember calling uh, Gunny and and Gunny said, I'll be there in three days. What? <laughs> no, I'm just calling for some advice. So, you know, what, what, what do we need to do? How do we fix this? And and but again, that's the type of leader he is. He, he was going to go to where the problem is. That was the type of leader he uh, was um, and the type of leader that I, I desire to be. And, and he wants to go to where the problem is and, and help. Um, truly a servant leader. And, and, you know, that's the way he lived his life. And, and unfortunately, that's the way that uh, that he died also. You know, when, when as a as a sergeant major, he um, uh, unfortunately was uh, carrying ammo. You know, when you think about it from a military perspective, carrying ammo is basic, the basic job in the military. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be tactical. You, you just have to be, hey, take this over to that gun so it doesn't run out of ammo, right? And here, the highest non-commissioned officer uh, in the theater of battle is literally carrying ammo to the guys to make sure that they could keep a gun in a fight. It truly uh, spoke volumes of who he was as a man and as a leader. And I'll tell you, Bart, just grateful, extremely grateful that I had the time to spend with Gunny day in and day out um, for three years. So um, just a great man to, to, to follow in the footsteps of. What an amazing man. I, you know, and we, when we talked last, uh, you were sharing that story, you were saying that you were trying to put your thoughts together to maybe write a paper about him carrying that ammo, right? Uh, and I said, no, no, you need to write a book. Because <laughs> obviously he has a lot more leadership qualities uh, than just the servant leadership of carrying ammo. Uh, and you can reflect back on, on his life and, and uncover those leadership principles and tell those stories, right? Uh, and so I want to have you back on as a guest uh, when that book is published. Right? <laughs> that, would, that would be fun. You know, finding the time to write that book, I think, is a challenge for me right now. Sure. So I have a tendency to bite off more than I can chew sometimes, and, and I say yes a lot. Um, so, uh, but it, you're right. I, I did. I started writing a paper, and it was part of, um, you know, this guy was a, a, a hero to me, right? I, I, and I don't use that term lightly. You know, it's somebody that I looked up to. He was truly, in my mind, was invincible. And I had already exited active duty. You know, I was, I was actually scheduled to take a team back to Afghanistan uh, when I got a job offer to become the chief operating officer of an oil and gas company. And we had just started our train up. And Gunny was the guy that I had to go tell I wasn't going to take the team to Afghanistan. And I was so scared, Bart. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell him because. I didn't want to let this man down. I would have, I literally would have went to the gates of hell and fought the devil himself if Gunny would have asked me to. And I didn't want to, I felt like I was going to let him down. And, and I'll tell you when I walked, he, he never made me feel bad about the decision. What, one of the things that he had taught me was I had a solution to the problem before I presented it to him. So I had, I had my backup already selected. Um, I had already talked to him. He had already talked to his wife. Everything was good. Um, but uh, I, Bart, I'll be honest with you. When I left his office, I, I was in tears um, because I just I never wanted to let that man down. And I, in some way, and he never made me feel like I let him down. He was proud of me for the decisions that I made, proud of the the uh, and had shared with me based on what what I know about you and what the offer is. Bill, I think you're making the right decision. And so he's super supportive. But still, there was a small piece of me that 
I left there, you know, tears strolling down and streaming down my cheeks because I felt like I let him down. So. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Gunny is, uh, you can read a little bit about his story. He's in the Ranger Hall of Fame and uh, Fort Benning. Uh, they keep track of all that. And, and you can go to their website and read about Gunny as well as uh, a lot of other people that are in the Ranger, Ranger Hall of Fame. There's a member of the inaugural Ranger Hall of Fame that just recently, uh, back in May, was given the Medal of Honor by President Biden. And his name, he's retired Colonel uh, Ralph Puckett. And uh, in our conversations, uh, when you were at Fort Benning or in Columbus, uh, Georgia, he really invested in you as well. So you were blessed to have two of these uh, Hall of Famers uh, invest in you. And, and uh, you said, you know, I really, really want to be able to share a little bit uh, about Colonel Puckett. I do. So, and to your point with these uh, extremely special men that have, have uh, poured into my life, Bart, I'll tell you, if I screw this up, it's my fault, not theirs. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, I, you know, as a young soldier, I was probably a little arrogant, maybe a little cocky. My wife at the time was uh, working for the church that we attended, First United Methodist Church in Columbus, Georgia. And and she ran the family and leisure ministries. And there was a, a little gym area where uh, members could go and work out. And, and I would stop by on my way home in the afternoons. And there was an older gentleman at, at that time. He was probably in his, I'm guessing in his 60s, late 60s, maybe. And, you know, wasn't, again, uh, kind of the same. It wasn't a loud and boisterous kind of a, a but always carried himself, you know, with a guy that when he walked into a room just sort of commanded respect. And you weren't real sure why, because he didn't really say anything, because, again, he was a quiet professional. And I remember striking up a conversation with the, with this gentleman, and he introduced himself as Ralph. And I happened to be, have my uniform on, and, you know, he talked to me about a little bit about the military. And so I, I gathered that this guy had spent some time in the military. And, you know, over the course of the next few months, we, we engaged several times in the afternoons. He'd be walking on the treadmill or whatever, and I'd go in and sort of pick his brain a little bit and we'd talk about military stuff. And there was another guy that was working in the, um, the youth group with me at the time. He was a reservist, was a major at the time, John Tongret, who still works out of Fort Benning. I was telling John about this, this guy that I met. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he's in the military. He seems to know quite a bit about it. And, um, and he was like, well, who is it? And I was like, well, his name's Ralph. And, and John's like, Oh, you mean Colonel Puckett? And I'm like, okay, I guess Colonel Puckett. I, I don't know. Um, so then he started sharing with me about, you know, some of uh, Colonel Puckett's, some of his career and some of the things that he had done. And then I, I didn't get the full realization until then that how significant this individual was. I realized that he was, you know, pouring in and investing in me then to see some of those things. And I started reading about Colonel Puckett. And then every time I turned around, he was doing a leadership conference on Fort Benning, speaking to hundreds or thousands of, of soldiers or veterans about leadership. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this guy is amazing. You know, to, to hear the, the, uh, the story around uh, the events where he uh, earned the Medal of Honor are just, they're, those things, is, they're, they're tough to digest especially when, when I met Ralph and again, just a quiet professional, you know, not beating his chest, not look at me, see the things I've done, but truly 
invested in me and how I could potentially better myself as a uh, as a uh, soldier. And I'll tell you, I thought enough of uh, Colonel Puckett at, at an early age that when I uh, was selected for my first uh, or my promotion to my first leadership position, E5 in the Army, uh, non-commissioned officer, very significant in the military, right? And Ralph was the guy that I wanted to promote me. So I called Ralph to see if he could do, unfortunately he couldn't um, due to some other obligations, but uh, definitely a guy. And then, you know, going back to in May, when I realized I've always known how significant his achievements were and the things that he had done uh, in, in on the field of battle and, and leading men in battle those things were truly inspiring to me and I knew they were extremely special. But when I got the word, you know, I happened to be in San Diego. It's one of those moments, kind of, you know, a significant moment in our lives, like a moon landing or something like that. I could walk you to the place I was sitting when I happened to be, uh, I was scrolling through LinkedIn by by chance. I don't do social media periodically LinkedIn, but, uh, and I happened to see that, Colonel Puckett was going to be awarded the Medal of Honor, had been upgrading, was going to be awarded the Medal of Honor. And I will tell you, Bart, I was just exuberant for him and for his family. Um, I, I found the news article. I started sharing that with the leadership team at Heavy Equipment Colleges of America, my friends. I'm like, you guys have got to check this guy out. He's just an amazing guy. Um, so, uh, again, I feel very fortunate, very blessed that, that a man like that, um, and all the things that he had done would take the time to invest in a 20 year old kid. That was, I, I can promise you, I was probably more arrogant than I should have been, um, at that point in my life. But, uh, maybe he saw something in me that I didn't see at that, at that time. So. It's important to have those people that, that see those things. Some great things come out of Columbus, Georgia and Fort Benning. Uh, my dad was a captain in the army, uh, and I was born there, uh, at, uh, at Fort Benning. So now Colonel Puckett is obviously still alive. I don't know if he'll listen to this podcast at all, but if he were to listen and you had an opportunity to say thanks, I want to just give you a, a moment to to tell him how much he blessed you and thank him for his investment. Well, Bart, I appreciate that opportunity. And I would just, I would kind of lean in and just say, Ralph, I, you know, the utmost respect for you, uh, for what you did for me as a young young soldier in the Army. And the time that you spent with me at this point has been so long ago and, and the frequency wasn't, uh, you know, daily or, or even weekly sometimes. But um, so those things may have even slipped your mind. And I hope that some of this uh, will take you back to some of those times at, at uh, th- this conversation. Will take you back to some of those times at the fitness center and in, um, in the Methodist Church there in Columbus when we would have conversations. And and I would just tell you not only uh, thanks for me for what you've done for me in my life and, and uh, set the bar high for for me to try to achieve. Uh, you definitely set a high watermark for leadership and what it looks like to be a man and a Christian man in our society. So I'm truly grateful for that, but, but not only for me, me, but for all of the soldiers uh, that you have led, you continue to lead. Um, sir, I have the utmost respect for you and, and, and I wish you uh, well in all of your endeavors and, 
hopefully one of these days I'll get back to uh, Columbus, Georgia, and maybe we can have a, a good uh, tall glass of sweet iced tea. Uh, very well said, Bill. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you for your investment uh, of time in this podcast episode. Thank you for uh, just taking time out of your um, busy schedule, connecting with me on LinkedIn, being willing to engage uh, with someone that you didn't know, but you know we had some common interest and uh, definitely just uh, uh, a very kindredness. Again, thank you for your time and just really, really appreciate you being on the show. Well, I appreciate you having me. And I'll tell you this, this, when you first talked about this podcast, it was very intriguing to me because the investment of time, while it never really truly hits a P&L somewhere, um, the investment of time is, is truly uh, what is needed. Um, not everybody gets it, but it's definitely something that's needed. So uh, bringing that awareness to people is very important. So boy, I appreciate what it is that you're doing to, to make that awareness uh, more prevalent in people's lives. So thanks a lot for having me. Well, thank you. You're, you're my second uh, interview. The, uh, the first interview was the uh, guy that kind of gave me the phrase, the gift of time. And, and so uh, this is a, it's brand new but I'm hoping to be doing this for a long time because there's a lot of people that have a lot of stories to share uh, about people that have invested in them. So thanks again. Well, that's exciting, Bart. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for listening to the Gift of Time podcast. Be sure to check out our show notes where you can learn more about American heroes, Command Sergeant Major Martin Gunny Barreras and Colonel Ralph Puckett Jr. The Gift of Time podcast is brought to you by Axios Solutions, a company that believes in the power of a knee-to-knee conversation. To find out more about BART or Axios Solutions, visit bartjustice.com.